0: So, um, you, know, we're, I, you know, we're back in our, our study of uh, the, the Q&A. Uh, this was a question that was submitted to me uh, a, a little while ago, actually, uh, but because of timing and, and some different things, hadn't been able to get to it yet. Uh, but I am, I am, there's part of me that's excited about this message, part of me that's a little struggling with it, and, and you'll understand why. So I had a I had a had a guy come up to me today. He said, uh, "I think my tires want to get ordained in this church and be a pastor." And I said, "Why?" He said, "Because they're going bald," um, which I thought was kind of mean. <laughs> I thought that was mean. Why do you have to go there? But the question is in First Corinthians eleven thirteen through fifteen. Uh, it says being a shame for men to have long hair does that apply to us in the church age, and if it does apply, why do our leaders not follow it okay and so i 'm going to hand out uh, the the handouts today, and um, we 'll commence into uh, into the study so uh in, in particular. So, I've, I've got some pictures there. We had one pastor that has now shorter hair, but he had longer hair. We have a couple of other <laughs> pastors that have, in, at least at different points in time, long hair. Um, I don't, I've not spent a lot of time on this passage because, well, it doesn't apply to me. No, I don't. Um, I'm, I'm kidding, it does apply. Um, so, so, the first question, or first part of the question is does it apply to us does this passage apply to us and the short answer is of course it i mean of course it does because of the nature of where it lands in scripture it is in 1st Corinthians 1 Corinthians is a passage written to a Church age group of people. Uh, we know that all scripture is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, but does it doctrinally, does it theologically line up with the church age? And, and yes, it does. Um, so, but there's an, a conclusion already, already uh, included in, if you will, in the question a shame for men to have long hair. Uh, you know, so so is it a shame that some of our pastors at different points in time uh, have have long hair? So this is the passage in First Corinthians eleven, uh, I think fourteen uh, through sixteen. Doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair, it is a glory to her, for her hair is given to her given her uh, for a covering. But if any man seem to be contentious, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. So the, the issue in play is multifold, right? And I am going to approach this, I think, a little different than I've ever done one of these Q&As in that we're going to pull out some of the key words and we're going to spend some time on them to build the position. Okay? Uh, one time I, did, I think I did the Q&A. We let you all... Uh, to, you know, determine which direction we were going to go, and you got to choose which thing we did first. And we've done different. Try to try to incorporate in this teaching how I studied it, so that you understand that it's not just me putting it out there. That you can at least see the logic. You can understand it in your own own study of Scripture. You can replicate it uh, and do it as well. Right. So, first thing we always need to do when looking at Scripture especially scripture that doesn't seem to just flow and seem to clearly apply or create some consternation in people's lives, is we need to look at context. Context, context, context. Now, some people will use context to explain away something that does apply, and I'm not going to do that here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, so, the broader passage, not just the verses we're looking at, but the broader context of 1 Corinthians 11, there's some debate about um, the structure and the teaching uh, and Paul is trying to address it. Now I praise you, brethren, that you remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I delivered them unto you. So Paul had been to Corinth, he had spent time with the, Corinth, uh, the people in Corinth and as a result he had taught them certain ordinances. Okay, And then he says, but I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ and the head of the woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. So he is adding, he had already previously delivered ordinances, he is adding instruction. In, in some cases, adding on to the ordinances, their clarification, if you will, clarity, more comprehensive teaching about those ordinances. And now he's teaching a concept that he had not taught before, this concept of headship okay, headship, and he spends most or a really good portion of 1 Corinthians 11 addressing this concept of headship, okay. We can't just pull out verses 14, 15, and 16 and just look at them and say, what do they say? We need to understand it within the context of what Paul is trying to communicate in 1 Corinthians 11. Fair? Okay, so notice the structure which you have some fill-in-the-blank below the next verse, but the structure Paul lays out: Christ is the head, okay, and above him actually is is God. Then there's man, then there's woman. Now this is the structure of a family. This is a family unit. Um, I don't, I am not any woman in here's head that is married, okay? Her head, her covering. Is her husband. I have a spiritual responsibility as a pastor, but I am not their covering. Okay. More. I, I. I hope this. I trust this will will play out. So a covering is kind of top down. Okay. Christ covers man who covers the woman in the marriage. Now it's really important that we don't associate covering. With importance, those are two different concepts because they're two different words. Importance does not covering does not equal importance. Covering does not equal value. Covering means covering, okay. And what and, and the biggest illustration of this is the end of the verse. The head of Christ is God. So if you say God is more important, God the Father is more important than Christ, you have a problem. Theologically, doctrinally, because they are one in the Godhead. Okay, but Christ submitted Himself to God the Father, and God the Father was His covering. Okay, so covering is a layer of protection. Covering is a layer of um, of, of, of the, the best synonym is probably protection. Okay, the best synonym, because it's not lordship. It's headship, and those are two different concepts as well. So looking on down in 1 Corinthians 11, in verse 7, for a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. Okay? So the covering is top down, but glory is, I put bottom up, if you will, with respect to the structure. I I pulled out some air quotes there for you. So, The structure or the headship goes Christ, man, woman, but the glory goes woman, man, God. The glory of me is Michelle. Michelle, my wife, her happiness, her fruitfulness in ministry, her growth in the Lord, that is a glory to me. Okay? Not like, (laughs) look at me, but the way she lives the way she acts that brings me joy it brings me peace it brings me happiness and a form of glory okay so uh, and again this is not glory like trumpets play when i walk in a room that has never happened i have yet to walk into a room and trumpets play like it's not that kind of glory okay similarly the glory a form of glory for the lord is his people okay his people in this in this example man and the woman under him, under him in headship bring glory to the lord when we live when we walk in edification we walk in unity we walk in ministry we walk in consecration for the lord that brings him glory Okay, so this don't ever let some backwoods, backwards dude let let you think, especially you women in here, that you're subservient to the man, because that's not the example of Christ. Christ, our head, sacrificed Himself for us we men husbands ought to sacrifice ourselves for our wives okay it is amazing how men who have been in authority especially legalistic men or men who are full of pride want to make this about the woman takes care of me i mean one time i walked in the house and i'm like woman make me a sandwich and get me a cold one and i still i flinch every time she raises her hand i'm kidding like that was a joke, but at least my comment about the cold one. Uh, no, but, like, like that isn't how we roll. Okay, headship is a layer of protection. Okay, and it's real interesting. I, I don't want to go into into too much detail here, but when our head of the church, Sam, left town, you all don't need to know the details. But there were clear satanic attacks against this church. Yeah. I mean clear satanic attacks. Like literally Satanists calling this church threatening us. Okay? I'm, I'm, again, I'm not going to go into any more detail. You don't need to know. You just need to know the Lord took care of it. And it's all good. Okay? But when the head is temporarily displaced, moved, you know, on mission, right? There's going to come attacks. So when the Head in the family has been removed, whether it's going to work, whether it's on a business trip, whether it's going to see family because of a funeral, whatever the case may be, there's going to be an attack because the headship, that layer of protection has opened up. Okay? Not importance, just structure. Okay? Are you all still with me? Okay. So, the woman is not. Or I'm sorry, for the man is not of the woman in verse 8, but the woman of the man. Now, some of you may remember our study before Christmas of Jesus' lineage and how if Jesus was not born of a virgin, if there was seed of a man, he had sin in him. So this is the consistent theme through Scripture. The man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Now, obviously, it takes two to tango. We know how biology works. We know how that works. But, but Paul was making a, 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 a communication here that all women are of men, but men are not of the woman. Men are of Adam, their father. Okay. Now, obviously, just like I said, it takes two to tango. Every man is born of a woman, okay? but they're not of the woman. All humanity is passed through the man's seed. The nature of our, our sin nature is passed through, this, through the seed. So again, Paul is laying out in this passage headship, structure, the nature of man's sin being from men. And in verse 9, he gets to and says, neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. Mission responsibility was given to the man. And when he was unable to accomplish it fully on his own, for those backwards, backwoods preachers that want to make women subservient, when Adam, when it was not good for Adam to be alone, God gave him a help that was meat that meshed with him Perfectly. Okay? So anytime any man wants to make women their second class citizen, I say, well, it's just because you were insufficient. I mean, if you were the man, you wouldn't need a, a subservient person. So that's not how this works. God complemented man with a woman so the mission could be accomplished. Okay? Are you still with me? Got to lay some groundwork here. Nevertheless, in verse 11 and 12, nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man. So even though he's made the argument that humanity flows through the man's seed, not of the woman, right? It's not the woman that passes on the sin nature. It's the man that passes on the sin nature. Nevertheless, nevertheless, The man can't function without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. Like in the Lord, both halves are necessary to create an effective ministry. Now, this is not a command that every person should be married, okay? That's not the command. He's saying in the Lord, the structure the Lord designed, man and women work together They don't work independently. They work together, especially, you know, if they're married. Okay. So as a result, there's a new equity in Christ. A few weeks ago, we talked about the difference between equity and equality. There is in fact not equal responsibilities between man and woman. They are different. Thank you, Lord. Michelle and I have this thing. We haven't, we haven't we haven't talked about it recently have we but she says things like well i'm glad i'm not a guy <laughs> when i got to get all the hair out of the drain you know like putting out the plumbing or pick up something that our dog did or something she's like man i'm glad i'm not a guy and then there's times that she's doing things like she's you know especially when the kids were little and she was dealing with stuff that didn't bother her i'm like man i'm glad i'm not a woman you know, I mean, we're made different. Now, everybody, every family is a little different too, right? Every family has some different structure and and what is and is not indiv- individual roles. But if it came time that our trash can, the you know, we take out to the, the street for them, to come. if I had, if, if that needed cleaning out, pretty sure I'm doing it. Like I'm pretty sure she's not. She's not gonna. Oh, honey, of my list to do today is clean out the trash can like that's me because you've all seen that commercial where the guy's cleaning the trash can yeah. he's like is acting they're old, young people acting like old people because you can never be too careful with trash you guys know the commercial i'm talking about that okay acting like your like your parents so if that has to happen i am going to be the one to have to clean it we have different roles but we are equal in the eyes of the lord matter of fact I can't accomplish everything I want to accomplish or everything God's called me to accomplish by myself. I actually need her. Similarly, she can't accomplish everything God's called her or expects of her without me. That's the beauty of what Christ and Paul is communicating. Christ brought in, ushered in, and Paul is communicating is that despite there still being a headship structure, the women and men both play an integral role. Okay? Both play an integral role. Are you all still with me? All right. So far, I don't think I've deviated one bit from anything anyone in this church at a pastoral or leadership level have, have taught. Okay. But I, and I'll be very clear. So going back to our, our verse, our passage, we've, we've highlighted the word glory and highlighted the word covering. We're just building our case here, so bear with me. All right. So the next concept is shame. I hit the button, but can you advance it? Okay, now shame in scripture is never good. It's never associated with a good thing. No one in scripture that I could find says this is a shame unto you, so good on you. Like, shame's never good, but it doesn't define your eternity. It doesn't define, it's not soul-defining, okay? Notice in 1 Corinthians 6, I, so same letter, different chapter, Paul says, I speak to your shame. I speak to your shame. Is it so that there's not a wise man among you? No, not one that shall be able to judge between his brethren. So you got two brethren in the church that want to sue each other and they want to go before the judge, the magistrates, to have it solved. And Paul's like, I speak to your shame as a church that you don't have anybody that can kind of internally mediate this. Now, does that mean they're lost? Does that mean they can't ever recover? Does that mean they're in sin? Not necessarily. He's just saying... Man, that's disappointing. That's how probably how I would say it today. If I was if I was you know, if if Sam asked me to go to Living Faith, Tampa because there was an issue and we were trying to help him, and I'd be like, Seriously, you don't have anybody here that can solve this problem? Like, that's disappointing. It's a shame unto you, right? Are you still with me? Okay. Shame is often related to nakedness. <clears throat> right? We have the some of us have that dream where you keep, you go to school in your underwear or whatever, right? Like, when, at least that was mine when I was a kid. I've never gone to work in my underwear that I can remember, like in a dream. I mean, praise the Lord. <laughs> well, let me, okay, let me be clear. Okay, I don't have that dream. I don't have it, nor have I ever gone to work in only my underwear. Every time I've gone to work, I am wearing underwear. Um, Let me just just make sure it's abundantly clear. I don't want anybody grabbing snippets of this and implying that I don't wear underwear. Okay, but shame is often related to nakedness. Someone without a covering. Okay? I hope it's starting to, to come into a little bit more focus here. He's saying, Paul is saying, it's a shame to you, men who have long hair, that you're acting like you don't have a covering. Spoiler alert, okay? Because covering protects shame. These clothes are protecting me from the shame of. I would still be the same guy standing in front of you. <clears throat> that I'd probably be standing in front of you behind the pulpit or something like i would want a covering right because of the nakedness right notice in exodus 32 exodus 32 um and when moses saw the people uh, that the people were naked for aaron had made them naked unto their shame among among their enemies and even in Revelation 3:18, I counsel thee to buy of me, and there's several things, but white raiment that thou mayest be clothed, and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. So this is a, this passage is moving from the structure that Paul is talking about and saying, those who are acting without a covering, Or for, in the case of a woman, who don't submit themselves under the structure of covering, that's a problem, that's a shameful situation, a disappointing situation, okay? So so are you guys with me on shame, okay, it's important, I just want to check, so we've addressed shame, we've addressed the glory, and we've addressed the covering part of this verse, or passage. Now, how long is too long? It's a question, you know. So, so, you know, the verse says, it's a shame if a man have long hair, it's a shame unto him. Well, Scripture doesn't, you know, I'd like to stand up here and say, Scripture says that, that, a, that you know, a cubit is too long, or a span is too long, or a half a cubit is too long. I think the lack of specificity actually is an indicator okay but there are some principles of the head and neck so generally hair is associated with the head and neck so again this is just principle just hear me out hair that is longer than the neck over the shoulders has a tendency to be called long okay not saying that's right or wrong just has a tendency to be called long but it's more Importantly, I think it's a, a, a principle of gender alignment. Okay? Gender alignment. Is the man trying to look like a man? Or is the man trying to look like a woman? Okay? I've seen plenty of guys. I've passed, I would guess, I've looked a little bit this morning, a dozen or so guys that have long hair in this body and not one of them that I think was cute. Not one of them. <laughs> I didn't mistake any of them as for a woman. Just, uh, I, don't, I don't walk past women and think, wow, she's cute. That's, but my point, it was a joke, right? So it was a joke. Again, just for anybody that's, that's checking up on me. like Just being clear. I didn't mistake any man with long hair as a woman. And even if I did happen to walk up behind a guy who had kind of long hair and think, oh, that's a visiting female person. Well, pretty quickly I would realize when they turned around and they had a beard or they turned around and say, I don't know, looked like a dude, I would say, oh, they just had long hair, okay? So there is a principle of gender alignment with respect to hair. And I'm not saying that long hair equals wanting to be a woman. That's, I think, one of our criteria in here. So, Deuteronomy 22.5, when it comes to garments, the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment. For all that do so are an abomination unto the Lord. Even in 1 Corinthians, same letter, chapter 6 and verse 9, know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived neither fornicators nor idolaters nor adulterers nor effeminate men who are trying to come off as a woman okay or trying to be effeminate in their styles now there's all there's a range of masculinity i'm not saying we all have to walk around in in the old school bike gym shorts and and you know, be you know, you remember those bike, you know, some of you guys know what I'm talking about, the gym shorts from way back in the day, you know, that your coach had, you know, if you're, if you're over 40 in here, you had a coach at some point that wore bike, and I'm not talking bicycle, B-I-K-E shorts, and it was awkward. They were <laughs> polyester, it was not, there was nothing about that that was right, <laughs> nothing. You know what I mean. So this is not like man's man versus is somebody, you know, soft. Like, like I actually shook a, hand, a, dude, a dude's hand one time. I shook a dude one time too. But I shook a, a dude's hand one time and he goes, you must work on a computer. <laughs> wow. I was like, you must be a jerk. <laughs> because my hands weren't as strong as his. And, and my, my my skin was soft because I I wasn't turning the proverbial wrench. In his case, he was an iron worker, and when he would come up to me and like put your hand in the claw. That's what it turned into. Put your hand in the claw, you know. And I would always it's like hugging Kenny Morgan. You don't need a chiropractor if you hug Pastor Morgan. I didn't need. My hand to be crushed by the by you know by the claw, um, the the crusher of the 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 iron worker. But man, his hands were so strong. Does that make me effeminate because I'm not as masculine as him? No. I hope nothing about Mitch Dobson screams woman. <laughs> other than when I see a spider and I might scream. <laughs> and then I say I don't. And somebody throws the flag and we watch the replay, if you know that commercial. I don't know why today it's all about commercials. But, so, there's, if you are wearing long hair for the purpose of looking like a woman, we got a problem. Okay? We'll keep going. So, it's also too long if it draws attention to you some of you may remember I think it's the very opening scene of the wonderful movie Shrek. Prince Charming. There's his hair and it's this blonde flowy hair. Some men have a real problem with their hair because they kind of worship it and they want everybody to see their long hair, right? It's drawing attention. Notice in ezekiel forty four twenty. we see a principle the same principle that we actually see in proverbs 30 verses 8 and 9 that passage is remove far from me vanity and lies neither give me poverty nor riches feed me with food that is convenient for me lest i be full and deny thee say who is the lord or lest i be poor and steal and take the name of the lord god in vain right i don't want to be so rich that i think i've got it all handled I don't wanna be so poor that I feel like I have to steal. I kinda of wanna be somewhere in the middle. That principle is also played out in Ezekiel 44:20. Neither shall they shave their heads, whoops, evidently I'm violating scripture, nor suffer their locks to grow long. They shall only pull their heads and pull literally means to cut or trim, okay? So you should be kind of in the middle, principally. Based on principle, your hair shouldn't be so long that it's drawing attention to you. Just like it shouldn't derail your focus on the Lord. Notice in 2 Samuel 14, a dude had a problem with that. But in all Israel, there was none to be so much praised as Absalom. How? For his integrity, for his love of the Lord, for his sacrifice for the people. No, for his beauty from the sole of his foot. Even to the crown of his head, there was no blemish in him. Kind of like me. That was a joke. I have plenty of blemishes. And when he pulled his head, trimmed his head, for it was at every year's end that he pulled it. Dude cut his hair once a year because the hair was heavy on him. Therefore, he pulled it. The weight of his hair, his head, was at 200 shekels after the king's weight. Dude had just a mop going on. I mean, a heavy set of a long hair and what's identified about Absalom I mean you know the story it ends up actually arguably contributing to his death right he catches his head in the tree some people suspect that it was his hair that got caught in the tree some say it was maybe a branch that caught him the neck like we could debate that I guess but the point is he had the wrong focus he wanted to be beautiful and his appearance mattered his appearance was the thing so if I'm growing my hair super long to catch all the chicks, or to appear super cool, so that everybody notices the guy with the long hair, well now we've got a problem because it's not about you, okay? So we also need to spend some time on this word "nato." So that brings up, So we got we got long hair kind of defined, right? Kind of narrowed in a little bit. The shame we've narrowed in because it's not a covering glory is reflecting up and the covering is from top down. Okay. So let's talk about nature for a few minutes because look at the verse, "Doth not even nature itself teach you that if man have long hair, it is a shame unto you. So nature, now this is the part where I might deviate from some of the pastors in this church. You may have heard some messages on this. You may have, have, have talked to a pastor on this. Some would argue that the nature that is being communicated there is the nature of the day, the culture of the day. Like what seemed natural in that environment. Personally, I don't agree with that. Not gonna fight over it, but the reason I take a different opinion is nature doesn't equal culture. They're different words, okay? Some equate nature with doing that which seems natural or comfortable within your society. I get their argument. I'm not calling them on the carpet on it. I'm just not sure I'm drawing the same conclusion. Nature, like I said, is a different word than culture. The word custom, or echoing to culture, is used two verses later in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 16. It says, we have no such custom, tradition, culture. Okay, We don't act that way in this time. That's not our custom. I don't think Paul would have used nature in verse 14 and then culture in verse 16 just a few words later to, and, and tying those together as the same concept. Further, there are these things called traditions of men, culture, culture. For instance, beware in in Colossians 2.8, beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the culture of the time, if you will. Okay? Now, we continue. Paul uses the word nature. You can tweet this if you want, to describe nature. Like that's a so that's a sound bite for you. Paul repetitively uses nature. And he's talking about nature. In Romans 1, 26 and 27, For this cause God gave them up to a vile affections. for even their women did change the natural into that which is against nature. I should have underlined it there too. And likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, but woman, burned in their lust one toward another. Paul is not, a, not at all afraid to use the word natural or nature. Romans one thirty one without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection. He continues in 2.14, for when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. Paul does not conflate nature and culture anywhere else in scripture that I can find, so I'm not sure he's doing that here there is a concept in nature, and this is gonna sound like I'm really smart, so just just bear with me, called sexual dimorphism or sexual dichromatism. Anybody know what those two words mean? Means that in nature, often the males are much brighter, have more colorful feathers or wings The sex of the animal determines the way it looks. Bright colors attract females to get attention. Or the bright colors are a form of competition between two male birds or between two male animals vying for the attention. The competition of the female. Okay, the duller female colors generally, in in nature, allow her to blend in in an, in an attempt, if you will, not to attract attention to the nest. We see this a lot. Matter of fact, I've got some really cool pictures of sexual dimorphism, which is just how a male and female in the same species are different. Or dichromatism, which chromatism just means color, right? So the first one. This is the, um, these are Mandarin ducks. Mandarin ducks. The male is on the left because he's so much better looking, right? (laughs) The female is on the right because through probably adaptation over time, not evolution, those are two different concepts, the female has blended in and has been more of a protector of the nest the male gets the attention whether it's of other female females or of even a predator and will draw the predator away a covering paul is being very consistent in this passage okay very he, he further he goes on and or uh, this is uh, these are pheasants the male on the right has dimorphism both in the tail, the length of the feathers, as well as dichromatism in the color of the feathers, right? This, this is my, this is actually a picture of Michelle and I at our wedding. (laughs) Um, Elephant, elephant seals. I mean, look, isn't she cute, the female, but I don't know what's going on with his nose. Like, He's an elephant seal, but she's an elephant seal too, but she doesn't have the same schnoz going on, right? (laughs) Difference between a male and a female of the same species, okay? We also see it most, I mean, who hasn't seen lions? The male looks very different than the female. Why does the male have this big mane? In part because males bite and fight and claw, and it's a protection for the neck, and it's a form of, of uh, you know, uh, survival, right? Dimorphism between the male and female of the same species. I hope I hope you, I hope this is coming in focus for you. Orangutans, except these big things on the side of the guy's face, like, and it's because of the testosterone in his blood, or the equivalent of testosterone for the purposes of orangutans. That literally develops as they mature and as they go through the orangutan equivalent of puberty. Peafowl, peacock on the left, peahen on the right. Maybe the most dramatic, like how long are those feathers and how amazing are they? Again, it's to draw attention. Paul is saying, is it not a shame to the man to draw attention to himself if he has long hair? This is not, this is not a legalistic thing where I walk over and I'm like, oh, your hair's touching, touching your shoulder there, bud. probably need to cut that. No, like if you're not having any trouble identifying whether somebody's a guy or a gal and it's just their hair, it's not a thing where they're trying to draw attention. I'm not sure it's a big deal. Because nature is saying that a man that's trying to get attention, nature is saying that that's a shame unto him. Because the covering should be that which gets attention. As a man, I don't need hair to project masculinity, to project awesomeness. I've got an awesome covering. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, I think this is abundantly clear that Paul is making a point. Don't, don't bring attention to yourself, men. So when we look at dimorphism in, in people, men's hair growth cycle is actually shorter. We have different, this may come as a surprise, we have different hormones in our bloodstream between the male and the female of the same species. The female hormones actually promote hair growth. Doth not nature teach that it's a glory for a woman to have long hair? Well, of course, because her hormones allow her to grow hair longer. That's just kind of the way it works. Each time a hair is replaced with a new hair in the cycle, that hair gets a little bit finer, doesn't have as long to grow before it falls out. Men go through that cycle quicker than women over the course of their life. And in some cases, the follicles die out. <clears throat> Male pattern baldness. Okay. So this is not. Well, men, men, <clears throat> you know, men are <clears throat> should have short hair because they go bald. That's not the point. Nature is teaching us that a woman's covering is a man, and a man's covering needs to be the Lord. That's what it's teaching. The world. This is a quick, quick. quick sidebar the world record for hair number one through five are all women like some 17 feet you ought to go look it up now, it's crazy how long these women can grow their hair and the, it was like number six is a guy number six before he can even kind of get in the in the area of competing so doth not even nature teach you that if a man have long hair it's a shame unto him but if a woman have hair Uh, long hair it's a glory to her for her hair is given for a covering but if any man seemed to be contentious we have no such custom either the churches of god so contentious what is the man's motive there was a nazarite vow where a man would commit to the lord and he wouldn't he would cut he would shave himself and then he wouldn't cut his hair and there's a lot a lot of people talk about this as at some sort of justification for growing your hair out long. Well, it's interesting because the typical Nazarite vow was 30 days. I ain't getting very long hair for 30 days. just saying. Been there, done that. I ain't getting very long for 30 days. But notice Samuel. Hannah vows a vow and said to the Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Samuel was a dude with long hair because he was consecrated to the Lord. It's a very special circumstance. And some people just do it to be countercultural or contentious including sometimes the effeminate. Romans 2.8. But unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. You know, certain things happen. So we've seen even contention. Contention. If a dude is growing out his hair to spite someone else, to spite authority. I mean, how many times have you seen that? A guy, I mean, like I feel like I feel like so many men, and this is not a judgment if you have long hair, grow out their hair to prove a point. Maybe it is a shame to you. Maybe it is. But Paul is not defining how long men can have their hair. He's saying the natural covering of a woman is a man, the natural covering of a man is Christ. He doesn't need a hair covering and actually allowed nature to prove its course out to show that. And Paul was quoting it. Paul's using this as an example. He's not creating a commandment. He's not creating an ordinance, which he has already addressed in that same chapter. He's showing a principle. So, we added just the last color there to contentious, hopefully. Oh, good. So, it is a shame if He's trying to cover his own nakedness. Now, he's not actually covering, I mean, I guess that's really long hair. But my point is, he's he's trying to do it to overcome his own insecurities about who he is. I'm going to grow out my long. It's kind of like the guy who gets the big truck. What do you compensate for, bro? What do you, like, why do you feel like you need a big truck? Is it because you're insecure about who you really are? Because everybody I've ever met, the bigger the truck, the less security is, the less secure they are. They're trying to prove something. It's pretty amazing, and I'm, and just a quick sidebar: Sam kind of got a big truck. I don't know what's going on, there, but um, it's not that big. I'm kidding. It's a regular truck. I'm. It's bigger than his other vehicle. I'm joking. But if a man is trying to cover his nakedness, if you will, replacing the covering of christ that's a shame if he's trying to identify as a female or with the female well that's that's a shame like that's against scripture or if he's just being contentious it's a shame or it might not even be a problem (laughs) it might just be the way he wears his hair so we're not going to be legalistic about it we're not going to we're not going to push against this unless there's an underlying theme that's going on that's driving this action. Did you know you could you can substitute this with working out. You can substitute this with being a vegan. You can substitute this with um, I don't know any number of different things. How many times? How many hours a day you spend in prayer? It comes down to an issue of pride. And if the pride is causing you to feel like you need to step in and serve as your own savior, to serve as your own covering, to be that which draws attention, that's the problem. It's actually the hair is a symptom of the problem. And Paul, I think, does a laudable job when we look at it within the context of not calling it a command. He doesn't actually define how long hair is. Because he knows, and I think God, more importantly, knew people and knew that we would measure to the the tenth of a millimeter if he said it ought not be longer than. But there are there are cultures around the world where men having long hair is just common. It isn't a pride issue. It's just the nature of their culture. So we're not going to make it a big deal here. We're not going to allow this to be legalistic. We're not going to say, hey, your hair is too long, bro. But I can be assured as a pastor, somebody comes to me and their hair is the thing they're projecting. I'm going to take a step back and be like, what's not right in their life? Like, what what do they got going on? I'm going to spend time watching them, observing them to see if their hair, their outward appearance, their muscles, the car they drive, the clothes they wear. There are people in this body who dress with specific, with specific reasons to get attention. To project, maybe it's financial, you know, situation, whatever it is. I'm going to watch those folks and I'm going to get to the root of the problem with them. If the Lord opens the door of conversation to say, you're trusting in the wrong thing. Stop trusting in yourself and just be middle of the road. Don't, you don't have to shave your head. You don't have to go along. Just trust the Lord for your identity. That's the most beautiful identity any of us could ever have. It's actually what we're called to do is for people to look at us and see Christ. You would not believe the amount of studying I did this week and people debating on whether Jesus had long hair or not. Wow. Missing the point. Missing the point. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We do thank you for the full complement of it. The fact that there is an answer, and and often a very reasonable answer in all aspects. And I thank you for this question. I I pray I answered it sufficiently to the to the purpose of of the individual that answered it, or I'm sorry, that asked it. And and Lord, that I know that there are people in this body, uh, even in leadership, who have long hair, but they don't do it to draw attention to themselves. They do it to connect. They do it um, not violating nature, not trying to be effeminate, not trying to align in any way. They're not trying to be contentious. They're trying to be, uh, they're trying to connect. Uh, But Lord, heaven forbid that if we are acting with a sense of pride that you would convict that and that you would deal with it. Uh, Lord, help us to always be looking to a covering that is you, Christ. And Lord, thank you for Willing, willingly offering yourself to be that covering for us, we thank you so much that you came to this earth, and died a sin—you uh, uh, know, died after a sinless life. You didn't deserve to die, but you took on our sin, you took on our pride, you took on our our, our insecurities, you took on our insufficiencies, and you bore them to the cross. And for that, and when you conquered conquered the grave, you gave us an opportunity to have a new life. And, and so, Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that this church is not going to make an issue out of long hair. This church isn't going to make an issue on the outward appearance. This church is going to make sure people hear the gospel and make sure people have the opportunity to have a restored, right, reconciled relationship with you. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.